We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway, lays it in. Zach Levine does it again. The late shot on the middle. Larry Markkinen. The crossover. Levine. Get out the way, Trey Young. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're on the Blue Wire Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. We're brought to you by Indeed. We're brought to you by Manscaped. Ricky O'Donnell, I'm here as always with Jason Pat. Jason, uh, there's a lot going on right now. The NBA playoffs are in full swing. We're going to have the conference finals set. Um, maybe by the time people are listening to this podcast, baseball playoffs are like two weeks away, yep. and both <laughs> Chicago teams are in first place. The NFL regular season is now started. The Bears starting off 1-0. I think I read it was the first time they've been 1-0 since 2013. Something like that. <laughs> Pretty hard to believe. Insane uh, game. A game we'll talk about that later. Absolutely should have lost, but ended up winning. <laughs> Two-minute Mitch. What more can you say? And last but not least, the most important note in all of sports, the Chicago Bulls are back doing in-market activities at the practice facility. Yay, the Bulls are back. Shout out Sean Hyken. Uh, yeah, they are starting along with the other quote-unquote uh, delete eight teams, starting back at the Advocate Center doing some workouts. Casey Johnson had an article about it today. Uh, he says they're expecting strong turnout. I believe these, it looks, I don't, yeah, it is voluntary attendance. So obviously with pandemic still going on, like these guys don't have to come. But again, Casey reporting they are expecting a strong turnout. Uh, I know guys have kind of been at the center already. Uh, some of the names like Levine, Lowry, Kobe White, Otto Porter Jr., others. They've been at the Advocate Center, but now like these are more, I guess, official uh, workouts here. Of course, the Bulls do not 
have a new coach yet. We will talk about that here in a second. So it is right now, it is Chris Fleming have been running the voluntary individual workouts throughout the offseason. He'll continue to do that. Fleming is uh, apparently being considered for the head coaching job. We've talked about how we really don't uh, expect him to get the job. But for right now, he's got a good relationship with uh, Terz Karnishvist. So he's kind of running the show right now. And I mean, it's, it's good. I mean, the Bulls have obviously they've been they have not played a game since March. Uh, there a lot has happened since uh, the Bulls have played. They've redone the front office. They've fired Jim Boylan. They still have to hire a head coach, but uh, it'd be good for them to get back on the floor and get some reps because we have no idea when next season is going to start. They've already pushed it back from December first, December twenty fifth, Christmas Day at the earliest. Uh, there's a lot of signs that it's probably not going to start then either, that maybe we're looking at like January, February, or even March. So to get the Bulls back uh, on the practice court together, play, playing, especially if they get some good turnout there, just to get those reps, we know uh, they need it, uh, just because it's been such a long time off. And I said, ho- I guess hopefully they do hire a coach here pretty soon to kind of get in there and see what this team is all about. Uh, so let's do it. Let's do talk about the coaching search. There really hasn't been that much of an update since we talked to you guys last time, and we've probably like the Billy Donovan rumors, uh, they've been going through some interviews. So we're still just kind of waiting on this. But Ricky, you said you saw Bet Online. Shout out to Bet Online, uh, one of our sponsors, that they released some new odds about the Bulls head coach. Yeah, uh, so let's hear those. This is as of Friday morning. Uh, they released these odds. They're still up on their website. You can bet on them right now. Uh, there's a bunch of names they have listed odds for. So I'm gonna. R- run them down and you can tell me Jason what you think the best play is in terms of uh most bang for your buck and then what you think sort of like the worst play is. so your top option for next bulls head coach according to bet online billy donovan at plus 300 then we have kenny atkinson plus 400 we have ime udoka at plus 500 we have mike d'antoni at plus 500 We have Adrian Griffin at plus 600. We have Nate McMillan at plus 600. We have Brett Brown and Ty Lue at plus 700. We have Jason Kidd at plus 900. (laughs) We have Darvin Ham and Wes Unsell Jr. at plus 1,000. And then we have Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson at plus 1,800. So, Jason... uh, I don't know if you're a betting man, but, you know, it is legal now in kind the of. State and a lot of people are doing it. So if you were to put down a wager of your own hard-earned money on the Bulls' next head coach, uh, do any of these jump out to you in terms of uh, what looks like the best bet on the board? I guess I'd be probably looking at Udoka or Ham or Unseld. I mean, Ham or Unseld for at least value. We know that they're interested in those guys. Udoka has been a long, like, listed front runner. Um, so like, again, that's, and he's what the third had the third highest odds down there. So I guess that kind of makes some sense. But again, in terms of like the value, you said that was like not plus 900 for him. So Ham and Unseld are a thousand, thousand for Unseld. Yeah. yeah. Some of like that. Okay. Yeah. So like, I feel like the, for like value play for guys that have been mentioned as like up and coming assistant coaches who we kind of think that they're going to go that route. Obviously we have no inside info here, but if we, if they do go that route, which kind of seems like they might. Uh, I think that's probably a good value play for those two guys. Again, Udoka has been was has been a long time like supposed front runner candidate. You could maybe argue that maybe that has kind of gone that maybe he's lost some steam, maybe lost some luster because of what happened with the Sixers and all that. But I mean, he's got the he's got to feel like he's got a lot what the Bulls are probably looking for. He has the ties to Mark Eversley, uh, given the the 
being from Philadelphia. So probably they're, I mean, obviously some of those names, I feel like just absolutely no chance. I mean, you met like Mark Jackson, Van Gundy, like absolutely no way. I'd be shocked if they hired Mike D'Antoni, who uh, was ju- just recently announced that he's leaving uh, the Rockets. I would guess a guy like D'Antoni is going to a situation where he knows he can win right away. That's not the Bulls. I can't imagine the Bulls would pay him what he wants. Uh, I, I think that's kind of how I feel about Donovan as well. Like apparently him as the favorite on Bet Online here. Like I, I think he has probably more of a chance than a guy like D'Antoni. But I, I don't know. It seems like him leaving like Oklahoma City and then coming to a Bulls rebuild situation because they are still rebuilding. Like you could argue maybe they're a bit closer to winning than. Uh, like if the, if the Thunder go blow it up, then they would be there. And it's Chicago, a bigger market. But it's another situation where, like, are they going to pay Billy Donovan to go through this rebuild? Like, I don't know about that. Like, is he worth that? I don't know. So like, I feel like the, I'm still like, I just don't see them really hire, making like that big splash hire. Uh, and that I would, it would still lean towards one of these first time like assistant coach guys. So that I think said, I think those guys are the better value. What, what do you think? Yeah, my first thought is that Billy Donovan being the front runner, I just don't see it because I yeah. think that he is going to be the most costly of any of the names on that list. I was just Googling what Donovan was making in so OKC. I, I think he made 30 million over five years or something or something like that. It was yeah. a lot. Uh in now honestly that's like a totally fair salary for a head coach. And oh yeah. I don't think it's too much more than even what Fred Hoiberg was yeah. getting. Fred was five million down. a year, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh to come from Iowa State. But uh I think there's no way the Reinsdorf's pay out that kind of money knowing that they have uh boiling they still have to pay we've heard reported that the assistants are expensive like flemings and rogers are relatively expensive and we've already seen the ryan store sort of uh try to get some sympathy for like how much money they lost uh both (laughs) from the white Sox and from you know a few games at the end of the year for the bulls that should have been uh gate income so i don't see billy donovan being the favorite at this at all and he's plus 300 i would also love to meet the type of person who's wagering on jason kidd to become the bulls next time <laughs> yeah, right. that seems like absolutely no chance at plus 900 maybe the gambling sites just put names on there to see if they can sucker some casual fans into giving them some money uh i see no way that jason kidd gets the bulls job i see no way that tyloo gets the bulls job in terms of veterans that we haven't heard much buzz about I mean, maybe Brett Brown, right? Maybe Nate McMillan. We haven't heard anything. McMillan uh, said he's McMillan claims that he is not going to coach next year. So I would be shocked if it was him. Interesting. So, yeah. Uh, And then, yeah, I was going to say the best value to me is probably Wes Unsell Jr. Because he has the relationship that goes back to Denver with AK. He's plus 1,000. To me, I'd put him in probably like the top two or top three most likely candidates to get this job. Udoka is the other guy. And, you know, there's people who seem to think that Udoka is definitely getting the job. People who are like out of market in Chicago. And uh, I don't really know where those people are sourced just because there has been so much turnover in the Bulls front office uh, over this last few months. So it's hard for me to get a read on who the Bulls next head coach is going to be. It does seem like Udoka is probably something like the front runner right now. And for him to have, uh, you know, plus 500 odds, uh, you know, better odds for the better than Kenny Atkinson or Billy Donovan. I think that that would be a good bet. And then if you really want to swing for it, uh, Wes Unsell Jr. plus a thousand. So yeah. those are pretty good odds on him, I think, too. Same as Darvin Ham. Uh, I think that if you were going to wager money, I would probably go on Unsell Jr. Just given how big the odds are. 
Yeah, you mentioned Atkinson as well. I totally forgot to bring him up. Uh, I feel like he would make some sense as well, given the work he did in Brooklyn, kind of building this that young team there, building them to a place where uh, they were able to get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I know our guy Joe Cowley does not like Kenny Atkinson. He's always like railing about him, and he's written stuff about how he's had issues with like whatever personalities and guys like that. And he's, I, well, I don't know. It seems like he's got it out for Kenny Atkinson. Obviously, didn't. Something went wrong there with Kyrie and KD. Kyrie and KD also have their have their personality quirks and all that, so who really knows? But, I mean, I would not be upset with a guy like Kenny Atkinson given what he did with Brooklyn and kind of took them from the total depths and built them to respectability where they ended up getting two, all, two superstar-level players in a free agency. I think that's something that Bulls fans are hoping maybe this next coach can do where, like, this season going into next, uh, going forward, they can build this young core to level of respectability where you can either sign a big free agent or two or you flip these guys build up their value and flip them over so again a guy like Kenny Atkinson's kind of proven that he can do that uh but we'll see yeah I mean it just there's a lot of names on here on this list as we've mentioned it's good that they're casting this wide net we really don't have any much concrete stuff about this coaching search recently other besides some of these rumors I think the last one's really uh, Billy Donovan that I read so uh we will see uh Again, the Bulls are back on the practice court. We'll see if more stuff comes out about them in the coming days and weeks. But uh, there's been a lot of great NBA playoff basketball coming on. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But first, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. And Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people and fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere so again go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply offer is valid through september 30th the wait is finally over football is back you might not be at a game this year but you can still be at be in on the action at bet online bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off by wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. So head over to BetOnline today, take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to enter the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, you're online sportsbook experts. All right, we are back. Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. And as I teased before the break, a lot of great stuff happening in the NBA playoffs. Uh, 
teams just eliminated from the NBA playoffs as well. There's been a lot of action. We already just we just mentioned Mike D'Antoni leaving the Houston Rockets. His contract expired, and he decided he's going to seek out other opportunities. Uh, he's been linked to the Sixers. He's been linked to the Pacers and Pelicans. Said he have not seen him linked to the Bulls. And I, as I've said before, I don't think the Bulls will hire him. But the Rockets obviously flamed out in epic fashion against the Los Angeles Lakers in five games. Super disappointing for the Rockets. While I did not expect them to win that series, I thought they'd be a lot more competitive with their unique small ball and with two former two former MVPs in James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And it was a disaster. It looked like after they lost that close game three, they basically quit in game four. They did make a big rally in the fourth quarter, but classic fake rally, fourth quarter stuff. And then they just got their ass beat in game five. Basically, basically totally embarrassed in those last two games of that series. I know the Lakers are rolling. We got playoff Rajon Rondo going nuts here, and LeBron and AD have been awesome. But for the Rockets to go out and just basically get embarrassed, and now we have D'Antoni gone. We'll see what happens with Daryl Morey. Uh, and then I guess we'll see what happens with the roster. I think you mentioned you brought this up on one of our recent podcasts about like what happens with the Rockets could be take a huge could be a huge shaper of the NBA moving forward here. And like a lot of people have talked about Westbrook and trading Westbrook, but he's got like three years left on his deal. He's got like a forty seven million dollar player option in a couple of years. That Chris Paul trade is looking disastrous now, considering all the the picks and pick swaps the Rockets gave up. Uh, Harden is. In, on the wrong side of 30 and he's got well like a year or two yet left now i think like will he possibly ask out uh i guess i would guess the rockets possibly look to trade westbrook but like i'm not really sure what kind of deal is there ricky do you think the rockets like do do something really crazy this offseason or do you think they just kind of run it back again with harden and russ maybe try to make some tweaks with a new coach and then maybe after next season if they fall short again uh then they really look for something huge with maybe a Harden trade maybe harden ass out maybe a rush trade yeah it's tough because there's the westbrook injury which i feel like a lot of people haven't talked about yeah. westbrook- he also did have the rona he had covid I was going to say that as well. Yeah. So Westbrook got coronavirus. Then he had this quad injury. So, I mean, there's a lot of variables in that. Westbrook was actually playing somewhat decently or like pretty well. Oh, he was great. No, he was really good before the hiatus. Right. And kind of like the defining uh, quality in his play then was that he was like bypassing all these open threes that he used to take before. Because the Rockets put so many shooters on the floor, Westbrook like had the entire paint to himself to work with. Well, when you had the quad injury, when you have the complications of coronavirus, uh, he just didn't look like himself. And you could see that there were so many moments in that series where LeBron was just like bullying Westbrook. I mean, LeBron (laughs) had like four or five absolutely sick, nasty blocks against Westbrook. Uh, Just didn't look like the same explosive player we've come to know for Westbrook before. So, yeah, like, you know, I threw out the idea of like maybe you do trade Harden and, you know, Harden is under contract for next season. 2020, 2021, and then he's under contract for 2021, 2022, and then he has a player option for 22, 23 at 47 million. So the thing about like, obviously the Rockets lost a lot of their future first round picks by trading for Westbrook. I think they gave up two future first round picks and two pick swaps. swaps. So just an awful trade. And I think like even Daryl Morey had to know that was a terrible trade at the time he made it. I've joked that I think he had the Hong Kong tweet written by the time he agreed to that trade. (laughs) He basically did it because CP3 and Harden weren't getting along. Harden wanted Westbrook and OKC at all the leverage. So I think like Sam Presti just totally ripped him off in that deal. That's going to go down as one of the most lopsided trades, you know, probably in the last 10 years of the NBA. And 
Uh, now you're looking at the Thunder in a position to flip CP3 coming off a great year. We're going to have a ton of leverage because the Bucks need him. The Sixers need him. There's so many teams that could use CP3. I mean, the Knicks have been rumored to want him. Uh, and I don't know if there's going to be another player of his caliber moved this offseason, uh, unlike the last few offseasons when we've seen a lot of uh, big-name players moving teams in, in the summer. So, man, what a disastrous trade by the Rockets. I almost feel like you got to run it back, though. And I would make some tweaks. I know they're, like, totally capped out. Why they did the Eric Gordon extension, I'm not really sure. Gordon, same age as Harden and Westbrook. Uh, Gordon, it is it is best as good. I don't know if his number's in front of me now, but I feel like you would probably rather just have a little bit of flexibility in that spot. And, uh, you know, maybe you're able to get like a more complete two-way player than Eric Gordon. Of course, he's had a lot of injury issues too, but they did lock up Gordon, I think before the season or during the season. So yeah, uh, yeah I kind of think the Rockets have no other choice but to run it back. Like, Yes, you could recoup a bunch of future first-round picks if you trade James Harden, but you're also trading James Harden, who is still absolutely in his prime, still one of the five best players in the league. You trade him, and you just don't know if you'll ever get another player that good. I mean, I said that when the Bulls got rid of Jimmy. Like, how long is it going to be before they have another player as good as Jimmy? I guess that it could be decades, like multiple decades. And that's even more true when you're trading James Harden, right? Like, there's only so many. He's one of the best players of all time. Like, no question. So. I say that like because Harden is so good, you kind of just got to run it back. I think because of Westbrook's injury and because of the Harden-Westbrook relationship that you probably got to run that back. I mean, they should probably try to trade Westbrook, but they're not going to find any suitors. I can't imagine anyone's going to be willing to take on that Westbrook deal. Westbrook probably is the worst contract in the NBA at this point from from a team value standpoint. For Russ, it's a great contract because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had a wonderful career and now he you know, gets these $40 million a year salaries, but... Uh, he's just not worth it in the salary cap era, obviously. So I think they got to run it back, try to do some fine tuning around the edges. They really seem to unlock something in Daniel House this year. And obviously, uh, <laughs> he sort of became infamous for that whole storyline that led to him getting kicked out of the bubble. But they need to find more guys like Daniel House, basically, right? Just like high volume accurate three-point shooters who can hold their own on defense. Uh, I wonder what they do with P.J. Tucker. It's like P.J. Tucker is awesome. And how P.J. Tucker played Anthony Davis, I thought was just absolutely incredible and really inspiring, giving up all the size that he was and still like holding his own against A.D., especially in the post. But you got to feel like P.J. Tucker's play is going to fall off pretty soon. He's, you know, in he's his taking a beating the way he yeah. plays such a physical game. So I would maybe try to look for some sort of upgrade there. Of course, like P.J. Tucker's really good. He doesn't make a lot of money and he's just like one of the most unique players in the league, really. Uh, just for like the type of player he is and for like how much you have to pay him to be like a pretty good starter. So uh, I don't know. I think the Rockets are definitely in a tough place. I think that uh, the Westbrook trade is going to continue to haunt the franchise, but you might as well just run it back next year, try to make some uh, moves around the fringes. And then after that, maybe you could convince Harden that like, yo man, you're not going to win with Westbrook. We got to move Westbrook. Uh but if not, I think that, you know, likely Harden is going to be on the move. And who knows where James Harden will be uh, a couple of years from now. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is interesting because it's funny because, I mean, we talk about Chris Paul and like a lot of people called Chris, Chris Paul the worst contract in the league or one of the worst. And then he comes out and has an incredible season. And like, I mean, maybe Russ, I mean, I guess if Russ, Russ comes back healthy and he plays like he did like towards the, the before the hiatus, like, I mean, maybe he's able to rebuild, but like with him, like the athleticism is so important and the lack of a jump shot. Like I just can't see him aging as gracefully as Chris Paul 
did this year as healthy and as the leader of uh, leader of the Thunder. And they, I mean, you look at the rest of the roster, like they had, you mentioned House, like Covington is pretty good, like Gordon is pretty decent when he's healthy. Like I do really, I do wonder if they bring in a new coach. I think it's been reported that they're going to stick with the super small ball, but I, I mean, I feel like they have to. And I know like they've gotten great regular season results out of it and their offense has been great and I mean, their defense was pretty good too for like lead and from a long part of the bubble I really do wonder if they like if they try to go get at least one center so they can at least play kind of different because I feel like they're like so locked in on or they were so locked in on the small ball and obviously the very analytics friendly offensive style and like I think I'm we and we're pro analytics guys but like I feel like in the playoffs once teams figure them out it just seems like they're finished like I feel like they just need to have maybe some type of different counters where maybe they open up some mid-range action, maybe a little bit, like I've seen not too much where maybe they play some bigger lineups to counter other teams. So it's like, it just, it just seems like once like a team, I mean, the Lakers figured them out and then just the Lakers are obviously also awesome. And then, they did, but then the Rockets just like rolled over and died and they had like no answer. So I'm curious that they do run it back. If they if those tweaks you mentioned, like if they just kind of ch- maybe change their offensive systems a bit. Maybe they, play a little more big ball not just super small ball it'll be very interesting moving on from the rockets because we've talked about them for a while here i guess let's quickly talk about the team that beat them the lakers I and mean, they look like right now given what's happening around the around the rest of the playoffs they probably look like the favorite we don't really have to say much about ad and lebron they've been awesome ricky as one of the few of you like huge ray john rondo stands over these past few years or i guess for a while now you were always a rondo stand how do you feel about playoff rondo coming in full force in this series yeah i really liked rondo when he was young on those celtics teams you know at the start of the last decade it's funny that rondo i feel like for people who were like reading nba blogs back in the day he was like one of the league's great cult figures i think at the early point of his career and then like the narrative around his career has had so many different uh twists and turns over the years but for whatever reason man and you can speak more to this than i can even playoff rondo is just a different animal he was really good in this series against the rockets uh i am shocked that rondo was giving them good minutes but that's just the truth and our lakers blog at sb nation silver screen and roll does great lakers coverage they were basically writing about how rondo needs to be taken off the floor for the entire second half of the year and what happens uh in the second round of the playoffs rondo gave them Uh, Some pretty damn good production. I think he averaged 10.6 points a game, seven assists, if the stats I'm looking here are accurate. So uh, really impressive for Rondo. Also, we got to give a shout out to Alex Caruso because I think Caruso is legitimately maybe their like fourth best player or third best player ever. Even uh, Kuzma has been playing a little bit better for the Lakers. But I almost trust Caruso more than I trust Kuzma at this point because you know what you're going to get from Caruso in terms of being able to knock down open three-point shots. He hit 41% of his threes in the series. Also, he plays tough defense. He doesn't make any stupid turnovers. So Caruso is just awesome. And I remember watching him at Texas A&M when he was a college player thinking that like he reminded me a lot of Heinrich. He was like a gritty guy that you want on the t- you want to play with. But uh you know, those there's so many guards in college who are like, well, maybe they could carve out a career in the league if they get the right opportunity. Credit to Caruso because he absolutely made the most of his opportunity uh, as a young player, brought into the Lakers when they were really bad before they signed LeBron, and they've developed him fantastically. He's turned out to be one of their better players. He's playing 25 minutes a game now uh, in the second round of the playoffs. So major props to Caruso. 
And in general, I think like the Lakers look like the favorite right now. There's no doubt. Yeah. The Clippers have been just so uneven and so uninspiring. And uh, the last two games against the Nuggets, like, of course, the Clippers could still advance to this to the conference finals. And it feels like the whole year we've been waiting for a Lakers versus Clippers Western conference finals. I still have to believe we're going to get it despite how poor the Clippers have looked in the last two games against Denver. Uh, it would be awesome to see Jokic just will Denver out of another three, one hole though. So that's going to be a really awesome game Tuesday night game seven. Uh, but yeah, the Lakers look like the best team in the bubble right now. And uh, it's just interesting how the matchups dictate everything and how, you know, maybe we all overthought this. I, I know that I gave finals predictions at the start of the playoffs and I picked Clippers over Raptors. Why didn't I just go with LeBron? Like, <laughs> this is so obvious. I should have just went with LeBron. I galaxy brained it, screwed it up. I do think the Clippers hey, would have a chance. The Clippers still could make it. I yeah. mean, they're still really good. They've looked dominant at many times in this series. It has been it's incredible that we're at a game seven at this point because uh, what the Clippers went up when they went up three one I think I'm pretty sure they blew out the Nuggets in game four and it was like all right this is over game five they come out and they're up whatever sixteen in the second half like all right this is over like we're done Nuggets come back and then game six Nuggets uh, Clippers go up nineteen in the second half and then Nuggets come back again with a seventeen zero run and Jokic and Murray and like Gary Harris hitting big shots and Michael Porter Jr. hit a big shot in, in game was that game five at the end of that game. And it's just like, I don't know what the hell the Clippers are doing. Like they ha- they're having big problems, obviously against Jokic. Uh, my, the big like talk right now has been like with Zubac and Harold and Harold, the sixth man in the year has been awful getting absolutely roasted and he's not helping on offense either. And Zubac has been way better, but Harold has been still getting a lot of minutes. So like that just like, spe- that, that was especially notable last game. Like there was a huge plus minus difference, but even, even with that, like you'd still think with Kawhi and PG and, just that roster, like, is, supp- is supposedly what been supposed to be most the deepest, most loaded roster all season, and now like their depth like advantage is gone. They're de- like Harold and Lou have been awful. They haven't been hitting three. I think the three point shooting like hasn't been that good. At least the role guys have been shooting that well. Now Paul George has been playing a bit better. He had that really rough run in the first round, and I mean Kawhi's been mostly Kawhi. So I mean the Clippers, they could they could certainly easily find it next series, and then maybe they beat the Lakers again. Matchups can be huge. Maybe the Lakers come next if the Clippers win Game Seven. I, I mean, I'm not going to count them out against the Lakers, but I mean, they have been just the effort level has been just kind of ebbing and flowing there. And there have been times where they look absolutely unstoppable, other times where they look like crap. And now, if they if they blow this three one lead, which would be remember they blew that three one lead in the conference finals or in the second round against the Rockets, what was that 2015 2016? That was like the Josh Smith game. I think I don't know if Corey Brewer was involved with that huge comeback. Uh, that series, if they blow this one now, like I feel like it's probably even more disappointing given the expectations coming into the season with Kawhi and Paul George uh, to blow a three-one lead again, and the Nuggets pulling it off for a second straight series, even more like ridiculous and historic. Man, like it, the fact that we're going to this game seven is absolutely ridiculous. And Jokic said after last night's game or yesterday's game that the pressure is on the Clippers, and that's probably right. I mean, the Clippers have been getting some lemon booty with these big leads, and if like that happens. And if it's close coming down the stretch, or if they build another big lead and the Nuggets start coming back again, like, will the Clippers tighten up? Like, you think of Kawhi as a guy who's like totally unflappable, but man, if they and if they do blow it like that, I, I want to see Lakers Clippers because we've been waiting for it all year. But like, it would be hilarious if the Clippers blew this series just because of all the hype around them. It's absolutely a disaster if the Clippers lose the series. Yeah, <laughs> there's no doubt. There's going to be a harsh eye on Doc Rivers' coaching decisions too. I think if. Uh, 
if the Clippers lose the series. It's hard for me to imagine the Clippers actually fired Doc because he seems like such an important right. figure league-wide. But, uh, I mean, in terms of being a tactician, that is not Doc Rivers' game, right? Like, Doc Rivers is a great motivator. He's a great leader. Guys respect him. He holds guys accountable. But in terms of the X's and O's, I mean, he's not at the level of someone like Nick Nurse. And I don't think, like, anyone has ever confused him for being that type of coach. So uh, the Clippers have just never played up to their ceiling all year, right? Like, I thought that after they got Kawhi and PG that they were going to be clearly the best team this year because of their depth. You look now, and with the way Harrell and Lou Will are struggling, like, the Lakers' depth looks very comparable to the Clippers' depth, at least at this moment in the playoffs. And I think most people would just take LeBron and AD over Kawhi and PG for as good as Kawhi and PG are. Uh, The only duo better than them is LeBron and AD. And the way the Clippers were going to make it up was with the, the rest depth, of the yeah. roster, but now that depth is struggling. So uh should be a killer game seven. Can't wait to watch that. I think Jokic has just been phenomenal and uh just one of one of my favorite players in the league to watch. He's such a yeah such a goofy he's awesome. superstar. But uh <laughs> scores in so many ways that you know you don't see anyone else ever score like that. So uh yeah. game seven gonna be tight. Absolutely. Uh, let's go over to the East real quick here. Obviously, we got Heat Celtics, our guy Jimmy Butler coming up in the Eastern Conference Finals. Celtics beat the Raptors in an absolutely incredible, another incredible seven-game series. That came down to the wire, down the stretch. The fact that the Raptors were in that series uh, with Pascal Siakam playing so terribly was just, I mean, a testament to their effort. You mentioned Nick Nurse, incredible coaching, the defense they were throwing at Kemba Walker and all those crazy like zones and boxing one stuff that they pull off to be able to sh- like, kind of keep the Celtics in check with the talent they have. I know Gordon Hayward is out, but still you got Kemba, Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart has been playing really well. Like to keep them down to have that chance there at the end of game, the end of game seven coming down the stretch. Just an impressive job, an incredible job by the Raptors. Shout out to them. Shout out to Kyle Lowry. And again, they would have gotten if Siakam would have just been like a little better in that series, they probably win. He was like historically bad shooting threes in that series, but it was an incredible job by the Raptors. Um, so I guess looking ahead at this Bucks or the Celtics, not the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks have their own issues to worry about with Giannis and meeting the franchise, or meeting the owners and all that stuff. But we'll talk about that another time, maybe. But with Heat Celtics, Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, the Heat have been are, they're eight and one in the playoffs. They just handled the handled the Bucks. Jimmy has been awesome. I mean, Bam Adebayo is great. They've been getting the role players. Brad Stevens kind of compared them to the Warriors' offense today. The way they're shooting and cutting, and their offense has been great. The way they move the ball, they're shooting great in the playoffs. I think I still lean towards the Celtics in this series, though, because I think just I think the Celtics can probably match up for them. I feel like the Celtics' wings with Tatum, with Jalen, with Kemba. I, I'm not sure if the Heat will be able to guard them with the, the guys that they have on the perimeter like because the heat were able to sell they fully sold out to stop Giannis uh, and then the Bucks just didn't have enough after that I feel like the Celtics can probably take advantage of that uh and the, I think they'll be getting Hayward back at some point and he's not gonna be ready for game one but maybe he'll be back so he'll just add even more firepower there I know the Celtics depth isn't that great and up front like they're not that great either uh do you think – what do you got? Heat or Celtics in that series? I got Celtics, and uh, I think your analysis was spot on. Like, mostly I just think the Celtics have more threats off the dribble offensively. Yeah. Definitely way more than Milwaukee had. Now, we got to give credit to Chris Middleton, who had a great series for Milwaukee after, you know, I feel like there's always so much chatter about, is Middleton like a legit second right. star? He absolutely proved that he was in that series, but the thing is that without Malcolm Brogdon and with, like, basically every failed draft pick of the last five years – 
The Bucks just didn't have enough guys. Bloodsoe's terrible. Bloodsoe's terrible, right. Offensively. Good defensively. Uh, terrible offense. The Heat just stuck to their game plan. They, you know, built the wall that has been shown to stop Giannis in the past. They pulled that game plan off perfectly. But you can't just replicate that against Boston. Boston's right. a totally different challenge. Uh, unlike Budenholzer, who's proven himself to be nothing less than like a pretty subpar playoff coach, despite being a great regular season coach, uh, Brad Stevens is a very good playoff coach. So I think this is going to be an elite coaching matchup between Stevens and Spolstra. It's going to be a really interesting just like X's and O's back and forth. What, you know, I'm wondering how much time does Grant Williams get as a small ball center in this series? We saw Grant Williams, uh, you know, kind of contest the last shot in that game seven against Toronto. I think they're going to need him. So that's kind of nice as like a young rookie, giving him good minutes is sort of a, sort of an weird new age five where, uh, you know, he's only about six, seven, but he's just more mobile and he's able to, you know, contain dribble penetration off screen. So, I think that they're really going to need him in this series. But ultimately, I just think that the Bucks were unable to punish some of Miami's weaker defenders, guys like Tyler Hero, Drogic, Duncan Robinson. And I think that Boston just has too many weapons for that yep. not to happen. Like they're going to be able to mismatch Hunt uh, against weaker defenders. And I expect Boston to win this series in six. We'll see, though. I mean, The number one most important thing for Boston in this series to me is that Jalen Brown needs to play better than he did against Toronto. Now, Jalen Brown did have some good shooting games in the games that uh, Boston won, but... His defense was also awesome against CFCom. Yeah, I I just feel like they're going to need a little bit more creation out of him, so... I would say is if because I think you can count on Kemba and Tatum. Tatum yeah. to me is probably the second best young player in the league. I'm talking like under 24 behind Luca. Tatum's a flat out stud, and really Tatum versus Jimmy in this series. Yeah, I mean you could argue Tatum's the best player in the series for sure. I mean those are probably the second and third best players in the East, and you got Embiid in there too. But uh, maybe Embiid deserves to be ahead of Tatum, I guess. But like Tatum is just awesome, and he's everything you want out of like a young two way stud. Perimeter player. That's his passing has been coming along as well. Like we saw him, like I think he had a triple double, almost got a triple double in the series. Is just whatever his creation development. Like that's been one of the big parts of his game that needed to improve, and we've seen that in the playoffs. Like that's huge. Yeah. So I would take Boston in this series, and man, uh, what else could this hell year of 2020 give us besides the <laughs> Celtics finals? Right. So I know. That's kind of- I, I, as much as like as much as like we know, we've obviously been very big vocal Celtics haters. Like I can't. I don't really dislike anybody on this team. Marcus Smart's a guy you could, that's easy to hate if you're like whatever, a fan of another team. But like, like I obviously you'd love him on your team. And then like Tatum, Kemba, and Jalen like are all super likable guys. And like uh, a lot of the other Celtics guys are pretty likable as well. You mentioned Grant Williams. Uh, so, and like Daniel Tice is like a really solid big man. So like, I, like I can't really hate the Celtics team at all. So like Celtics Lakers would probably be a ton of fun. <laughs> no doubt. I think that that's, uh, where these playoffs are headed, but, uh, there have been surprises throughout the bubble. So I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. Like, I, I would love to see obviously Jimmy and the heat in the finals. It'd be, at, it'd be awesome. And just good for Jimmy. Uh, before we talk about the Bears to wrap up this pod, take one more quick break uh, here from our sponsor, Manscaped. 
Support for Cash Considerations is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. I know if you don't have those good tools and you kind of nick down there, that's that's really painful stuff. I, I've, it's happened to me before. So that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe, that's trademark, technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. And the waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. And they've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke, again, trademarked technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk viewers and get 20% off and free shipping with the code CASH2020 at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code CASH2020 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. We are back to wrap up here, Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast, where we're going to talk about your Chicago Bears, who came away with a thrilling, what was it, 27-23, something like that, comeback victory over the Detroit Lions, the hapless Detroit Lions, who love blowing big leads, and they blew a 17-point fourth quarter lead against the Bears uh, to open this 2020 season. Uh, it was like it was just a classic Bears game in terms of just like the roller coaster of emotions because they came out and were pretty much fucking terrible for the first three and a half, three plus quarters of this game. The offense was awful. Mitchell Trubisky looked like a joke, looked like the same old Mitch. His footwork was terrible. He was throwing passes not not even close on the mark. He didn't. His decision making wasn't that bad, but the accuracy, the footwork was brutal. Again, they only had what six points through three quarters, and they're all, Mitch was like under fifty percent completion percentage. Their defense, which is again supposed to be a strength, was getting carved up by Adrian Peterson of all people, who should basically be retired at this point. Uh, Matt Stafford was doing work, and again they were down twenty three to six in the fourth quarter, and then they come back. Mitch just completely turns it around incredible performance in the fourth quarter. I think he had more completions in the fourth quarter than he did like the, the first three quarters. It was something like close like that. The receivers started making big plays. Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson. We saw Jimmy Graham make some big plays after looking absolutely atrocious to start the game. The defense got some momentum. The Lions did their typical Lions shit where they miss field goals. They Stafford with just a classic Matthew Stafford interception. That I believe that set up the go-ahead touchdown. And then the capper, uh, Stafford drops a dime to I think his name's DeAndre Swift, rookie running back, out of the backfield, wide open in the corner uh, of the end zone, and the dude just flat out drops it in the final seconds, right before the final play, which the Lions got nothing out to give the Bears the win. They were one to zero. Ricky, please tell me about your Bears viewing experience of a just a completely bonkers game. Yeah, the Bears didn't deserve to win that game. I was like <laughs> freaking out the entire game, getting on my angry, upset Bears fan kick uh basically i feel like this season has had the least amount of hype of any bear season of our lifetimes obviously covid plays into it because there wasn't any preseason games uh we didn't get a lot of like you know it's not like people were like going to training camp and hyping up the team this year so uh just sort of a weird season for the bears in general especially coming off a super disappointing last season where they still went eight and eight but the expectations were that they were going to be you know perhaps a super bowl team 
I think a lot of people in the organization and on the team got exposed last year. So this year it's like, you're going into the season, like who cares? Like, Obviously, the Bears need another quarterback. Trubisky's not going to be the guy. It just feels like it's set up for them to get made fun of for going after Nick Foles, giving up a fourth rounder for him when you got like Cam Newton playing on a million dollar contract uh, for the Patriots and they didn't have to give up anything to get him uh, in terms of draft assets. So I was not super optimistic coming into this Bears game, but then I noticed that every single person I looked at pick the bears to come in last in the division. And I'm yep, like, I saw that <laughs> the lions still exist and the lions. <laughs> and if there's one thing we know about the bears is that Nagy does not lose to the lions. He's now five and zero against the lions. Bears totally should have lost this game. I mean, Deandre Swift, how he drops that pass. Unreal. Uh, I have no idea. And that was just like, you know, the, the bears should have lost that game. All he has to do is catch that pass game over bears lose. Uh, but I mean, credit Mitch for making some plays. I feel like Mitch is so much better when he just gets out of his own head and he doesn't overthink it. That's yeah, why especially good in the crunch time of games, because I feel like you're running a little bit more. No huddle. He's making just like quicker decisions in the pocket. He was actually running a little bit, which was nice to see because that's like his one above average skill. He had a 20 yard run. I feel like if you distill all of the traits that it takes to be a good quarterback, like Mitch is only above average skills, his running ability, and he did make some big runs in that game. I'd like to see him run more. It's just not like we need to keep him healthy for anything. Uh, and then I was pretty impressed with the receivers. Allen Robinson continues to rule. Darnell Mooney kind of had a nice coming out party. He had three catches, uh, caught, caught a big one there in the fourth quarter. Anthony Miller was good too. So uh, in general, I think that the Bears are absolutely going to need to get the pass rush going. Like, did Khalil Mack even have a tackle? I think he had... He had four tackles, I guess, but uh, it was hard to see Cleo Mack on the field yesterday. And that, yeah, there was not much of a consistent pass rush. Like, I think they were starting to kind of get to him late, but like overall, especially to start like the first part of the game, there was no pass rush at all. So I feel like their best hope for this year is for the pass rush to really be dialed up and for the pass rush to be awesome. Well, Robert Quinn didn't play. So I think that like that's going to be a big part of it, but then Mack didn't do anything. So uh, that's going to be something to monitor. As the season goes on, in general, do I think the Bears are good? No. no. I think <laughs> potentially better than the Lions. And the Lions just Lions this one all the way through. They totally blew the game. Detroit should have won this. Uh, but they blew it. And, you know, credit the Bears for making the right plays in crunch time. And uh, I will be more invested in week two now because they're playing the Giants. That should potentially be another win. And then they got the Falcons right. in week three. That could be a win, too. So, uh We'll see, but I, I don't think the Bears are good after watching that game. That's just me. Yeah, I mean they were terrible for three quarters, and then like I mean it was basically a miracle to win. Like they everything had to go right. Uh, I mean there was at one point they were down whatever twenty three to six fourth quarters, third and ten, and then the Lions give that up. They got a big fourth down. I mentioned the Stafford interception was terrible. They, there was one point where after Trubisky had a comical sack fumble that the Lions the Bears ended up recovering, punting it back to the Lions, and the Lions were just ramming it down the Bears' throat try to go for the kill then the, and then Stafford gets sacked they get pushed them out of field goal range they doink the field goal Prater he's usually Matt Prater is usually really good doinks the field goal and then that, that gives the Bears great field position on the way back they score then I mentioned the interception again so like just like everything the Lions could do to blow that game they did and again credit to Bears for the Bears for taking advantage of that credit to Mitch for finally stepping up and making some big throws. Credit to the receivers for making some big incredible catches. Like, I mean, Anthony Miller, some of those catches were ridiculous that he made. 
really impressive stuff. I feel like th- this is a game that like, I feel like Mitch haters, Mitch like stands, the people who still stand for Mitch Trubisky, like they both like they both like got what they were like expecting coming in. Because we, we've seen we've seen Mitch do have the flashes before, and you kind of mentioned the like when the like the no huddle stuff and like the two minute drill stuff. Like that's when he's good because he can just kind of roll. He can just kind of roll with it. He, he starts running around and sling it. I mentioned this yesterday at the the fuck it, I'm going deep Rex Grossman mantra. Just kind of let Mitch do that because it's like at this point, it's like whatever. Just kind of let him run around out there. Let him run, like you said. Let him run and just kind of kind of chuck the ball around. And he even admitted that he like when he thinks too much, uh, that's once we see the he the shoddy footwork and the happy feet in the pocket. And I think that's the kind of stuff we saw early in the game was he was just not accurate in the pocket on his throws. But once he found that rhythm and that two minute drill, uh, he looked a lot better. Like I said I, I certainly am not making any long term. Like I mean, we've seen a lot of Mitch Trubisky. We've seen him have these good games. I'm not going to use like one fourth quarter against a Lions defense that had like three like their top three cover guys were down, and Matt Patricia was still going man to man coverage despite that, and Mitch was kind of just picking them apart. I'm not going to make any grand proclamations about that. I probably still think I still think Mitch Trubisky is. <laughs> Pretty bad, mostly unproven. Uh, but obviously, I'm rooting for the guy. Like, I don't want to see him fail. Like, the Bears have had so many bad quarterbacks over the years. It'd be great if Mitch Trubisky turns the season into some, like, Cinderella comeback story and he's really good and leads the Bears to the playoffs. But I love that. Absolutely. I'd love to be wrong about Mitch Trubisky. Certainly not using yesterday's game as some ex- comeback, comeback as some example of uh, that, that that's about to happen. But as you mentioned, they have a very winnable game. The, the, the start of the season here is pretty soft. Uh, and it's a lot more exciting to to win, go into week two with a win as opposed to a terrible loss against the Lions. Uh, and it was also it's always funny to to make fun of the Lions. So definitely a very exciting, thrilling Bears game. And it would not surprise me if a lot of these games are like this, where they're just like huge roller coasters, huge swings, super down to the wire. Maybe the Bears will be like the chart, like the Chargers have been for like forever now. Where like every game is wild and super close, and they actually the Chargers actually won a really close game yesterday. Finally, because it feels like they never win those. It would not surprise me if that's what we see with the Bears this year with an erratic quarterback, pretty good defense, uh, questionable coaching. You could probably argue with Matt Nagy. We'll see. I'm uh, definitely looking forward to it a bit more now after them pulling out that game. Ricky, do you have any final th- thoughts here? We've been rambling for a bit while here. Let's wrap it up. No, nah, I don't really have any final thoughts. I'm excited to watch Game 7 tomorrow. Clippers-Nuggets should be awesome. Pulling for Jokic, I would bet the Clippers win that game to set up the series we all want to see, Clippers-Lakers. Uh, the battle for LA, which is going to be going down in Florida, of all places, in the Western Conference Finals. But, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes, and uh, we'll see what, what Jokic has up his sleeve for another Game 7. Yeah, absolutely. I would also think the Clippers win, but I mean, the Nuggets have all the momentum and all the confidence. Not that momentum between games necessarily means anything, but I still think the Clippers' talent probably wins out. But man, if they lose, it will be it would be hilarious, even if we're deprived of Lakers Clippers. All right, that's all here for this week. Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Shout out to all our great sponsors, Indeed, Bet Online, Manscaped. Also, shout out to Greg Olson's great TE One Pod presented by Chevy. Uh, and then also listen to all of our great podcasts uh, all across the Blue Wire Network. We've been putting out tons of good work, growing, great stuff, especially with these NBA playoffs going on. And for us at Cash Considerations, please rate and review us. Please hit us up on Twitter if you have any questions, if you have any, any comments, and all that kind of stuff like that. So for Jason and Ricky, this has been Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Talk to you guys next time.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.